last time that we spoke, I was talking about how a real estate market will go through it, it, your your general location. Each location is different. Um, where a city or a county is in its um, growth phase uh, will will differ. And so the cycle in one market may be different than the cycle in another market. We are all subject to macro events, uh, such as the lending crisis of 2008. Uh, but the availability of, of credit, you know, for, for, for now at least, seems to still be intact, just a little more expensive than it was a year ago. Um, so we have to look at how that's impacting investments. Um, one of the key factors to realize is that in residential real estate, uh, you are seeing a substantial increase in the cost of housing due to the rapid rate increases by the Fed. But that is all on the short term. If you look at the yield curve, we're not very much impacted at the 20 year and beyond. And as a result, um, most of the commercial loans have, have maintained uh, rates similar to where they were, not exact, but very close to where we were uh, a year ago. So, um, you know, if you've got a good relationship with a commercial bank um, and you've uh, got a little money in their in their in their institution and you've done work in the past, uh, you can talk to them about, you know, uh, loans that are going to be five or short, you know, sub five um, on a 20 year amortization. So um, that that really hasn't hurt us that bad. If you're in the office segment or retail, that's a different story. Um, depending on your market, you may be seeing substantial vacancy rates. Uh, but in my market, that's not the case. Um, and I don't focus tremendously on the office and, and retail side of, of uh, the commercial market. I focus primarily on the multifamily side. Um, so my company, Reformation Asset Management, is a firm where we work with a smaller number of clients. Um, right now, we only have 27 clients. And our goal is that um, we manage their assets from the, the perspective of the return on equity that they have. So we place them into value opportunities um, as a broker. And then we have the property management arm. Then I have maintenance and I have lawn care. And then I have a 51-person construction company with two general contractors, my own electrician, HVAC, um, et cetera. Um, and then I have you know the plotter and um, the draftsman and all of that under my roof as well. So we can go in and and uh, either develop raw land or we can find an existing structure and then develop a remodeling plan for that structure to unleash value that's in, inherent in that in that opportunity. Um, and we start off with some clients that only buy a duplex, but eventually we get to the, to the point where, you know, as the return on their equity gets into the single digits, we are leveraging them higher through the 1031 exchange uh, in the density arena. So go from two units to four, from four to eight, from eight to 16, et cetera. Um, and so the longer they stay with us as their asset manager, the greater we grow their their wealth and, and their holdings. So that's in a nutshell what we do as a firm. Um, I've been a broker since 1992. I started off in San Diego, California, and then I held concurrent licenses in Nevada and California, working Las Vegas and San Diego, um, originally from Los Angeles. So I watched a lot of the, um, you know, boom and that, that said uh, that, that both of those, oh, all three of those areas have gone through uh, in my lifetime. And in the early 2000s, I looked at the metrics that I chose, Las Vegas and San Diego, and applied them nationally, broke it down to five cities that I went and physically visited. Uh, Durham was one of those five cities. 
And when I got here, I just couldn't believe what I saw. Um, it just made no sense to me. The, the gross rent multipliers that were twos and threes. Um, and so I went back to San Diego, got my general contractor, said, come on, you got to come out and look at this place. Brought him out here and looked and, and you know, just we, we, we knew we had to move here. Um, great recession hit, slowed things down. But ever since then, it's just been a bottle rocket. And there are properties that we bought for uh, $40,000 that today are worth $300,000. And the only thing that changed is the neighborhood. Um, the, well, I mean, what I mean by that is the, the, the median household income of the neighborhood is what changed. So um, what that boils down to is jobs. So first and foremost, when you're looking to invest in a community and you want to have a return um, that's going to, you know, be outsized, you want to see wage growth that is coming in from people moving to the area for high paying jobs. And um, Durham was lucky enough to have announcements from Meta, Google and Apple that they were all opening offices in the triangle here. So um, that was huge. We're the only city in America that had all three of them announced they were opening offices in the same in that one place. Um, so, uh, where are we at in the market? Is is that uh, there's just not enough supply? Um, the builders were not building enough before the rates went up, and now that the rates are higher, you know, we they had issues. You had the pandemic, you had the commodities prices. Now you have interest rates, so the builders are playing it cool, and they're just not producing a lot of supply. And the segment of the market that's been locked out the most during this 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 rush to housing in the last several years is the first time home buyer. They are having the hardest time back then and now trying to find a home. Uh, before, because you know the the earnest money and due diligence deposits were so outsized that that first time home buyer just didn't have enough cash to compete. And now with the interest rates being pushed up and them on the residential side being affected by that, they're having trouble. Um, and so we're going back to some of the tricks that we had in the early 90s, like our 2-1 buy-downs, so that we're able to incentivize the um, buyer to purchase our product by offering them an interest rate that is um, paid down by the seller on the front end, so that for the first two years, they're paying an under-market interest rate on their loan. And then at some point within the next two years, they can refinance that loan into whatever the standard rate is, which most analysts predict will be lower than it is today. All right, so that's a lot of stuff out of the way. Um, what I feel has investment opportunity if you're in that situation, which is where you have job growth, you have wage growth, and you are looking at um, a supply of existing uh, rental housing that has become outdated and therefore functionally obsolescent. Um, we will look to acquire properties that are in that category. Um, one project that we're bringing to the market uh, this month is a uh, collection of six buildings that had 18 units in each building for a total of 108 units that I acquired from four separate owners. Even though it's one community, there were four separate owners that owned. One had three buildings, three people had one building each. And so I had to assist my client in acquiring all four of those buildings and then go through the design process of converting these apartments into condominiums that would be attractive to a first-time home buyer um, and, and, and still so amenitize them so that they 
um, feel like a home and offer the amenities that that you would want in a uh, condominium community, um, and but do it at a price point that allows the buyer to purchase the property and have monthly payments all included, all inclusive, that would match what the median rent would be for the same product. So it's kind of, you know, it becomes a no brainer for my buyer, right? They walk through and they go, well, gosh, I can have all of this and I own it, or I can go pay the same amount of money and rent it. And, in the, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to create that situation where the buyer says, why would I continue to rent? You know, unless they're a very transitory individual, most people would prefer to build equity rather than, you know, just pay the money to their landlord every month. Although I do appreciate the tenants that pay the landlords. Um, so when you find, when you're looking for a property like this, one of the things that you really want to make sure that you're looking for or identifying is, is there any hidden upside to the property? So through the zone, the zoning and the use um that is in law today versus what it was built, say, 50 years ago, is there the opportunity for me to add units? You know, you might have a situation where the density when this property was built uh, allowed for, um, you know, 108 doors, but now the density has increased because the, over the years, the zoning board voted for higher increased um, housing per acre. And so if you have extra land on that property and the zoning will allow, you may actually be able to build additional units to add value to that property in addition to doing a remodel on the property. So when you're looking at properties, make sure you're you're you're, you're looking for space that could be utilized and then you're 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 examining the zoning and the, and, and the usage laws for that property and in that neighborhood to identify if there's an opportunity for you to add. And you don't necessarily have to only be adding apartments or condos. You could be adding um, garages or you could be adding storage or add something that brings value to the property that allows you to increase the amount that you would ask for the unit as an individual uh, uh, unit being sold or something you could add to the complex if you're keeping it as a rental property that would allow you to increase the rents overall. Um, you also want to make sure that when you're purchasing a property, whether it's going to be, especially if it's going to be for condo usage, that you want to be sure that your, your, your zoning will allow for your planning department will allow for you to go through this process. Um, there are rare instances where you might run into a property that is, um, uh, capped because of some, um, affordable housing mandate that was assigned to the property. You want to definitely you know, take that into account if you're trying to do what I'm discussing, because if there were certain percentages of units that had to be offered as affordable rental units, um, if you do get um, the authority and the, the great, you know, the nod to convert them to condos, you will likely have to offer some of those condos as affordable units to individual buyers. And so make sure that you have that, you know, as 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 a talking point is, is as you're going through the planning um, and, and design of the property so that when you have to talk to your, your planning and zoning board at your uh, city level, you can offer that or at least be prepared to answer questions if they ask you. Um, loan terms, again, for the buyer, we can offer incentives that will provide them with a low barrier to entry um, from the monthly payment perspective, but they still have to qualify at the actual rate. 
So, um, you know, make sure that when you're, again, developing your, your pricing plan, you're, you're putting it at the, the midpoint where you're going to achieve the highest number of interested parties. Um, so for, for my payment, my payment's going to wind up being about $16.50 a month. And that is something that a, a person making $70,000 a year or two people making $35,000 a year can afford. Um, and $35,000 a year in my area is, you know, uh, an assistant manager at uh, Forever 21 and, and a barista. So, you know, it's not it's not like we're not picking up a huge part of the market. We've got a lot of opportunity for buyers. Um, and that is, again, the segment of the market that's been left out, shut out. So I think that if you are looking to invest in something that will um, have a large buyer market and, and only improve as rates decline, I would suggest finding properties that you can identify that you can turn for whatever your budget is based on your, your area um, and then re-offer that to the first-time home buyer. I think that there's just a lot of people out there. And remember this. We had interest rates at never be seen rate, you know, low rates. Just they were they were crazy. Um, you know, I've got a two and a quarter on my house. So I don't want to give that up. Well, how many other homeowners are out there that are sitting at that two and a quarter to three percent range that don't want to give up that price, you know, that rate? So they're really struggling with whether or not they even want to move up. So we're dealing with a, a, a market right now where the only sellers really are people that have to sell. They're being relocated. There was a death. There was a divorce. You know, some life change is occurring that's causing them to sell. Um, but unless they find just like their absolute dream home, they don't want to give up that great interest rate. First time home buyers are not locked into an interest rate. So they're not giving anything up other than their landlord. So they're the market that I want to go after right now. Why fight? You know, the, the old saying is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, you know what? Just look for thirsty horses. And right now, those first-time homebuyers are thirsty. They're looking for a product. They want to stop paying rent. Rent has been going up like crazy for the last five, six years, and they're they're tired of it. I pretty much, that, that's where I'm going to end it right there and let you guys start asking some questions.